Alright, this is day two. Full disclosure, I thought we had electives four days at this thing, so we're, I've combined some things because I didn't know that we only did it three days. Um, that's, that's on me, but that's fine. We're just going to go a little faster. Uh, you won't even notice, so, or you might, I don't know. Uh, yesterday, we were talking about how I used the example of cocaine, although you could use morphine or a bunch of other different other uh, substances. This is a common thing that's happened where we think we found something new that's really going to help everyone, and then all of a sudden, like when we start to learn the drawbacks, we see that, yeah, there might be some use for this thing, but not nearly the kind of use or universal use that we thought. And we tried to apply that to smartphones. And we said that smartphones are relatively new, that uh, they seem to solve some important problems for us, that the, effect, uh, the effects, though, are not apparent just yet. We're not really sure what all the side effects of, uh, of uh, smartphones are, and that well, we don't really totally understand behavioral addiction the way that we should. Um, so today what we're going to do is I'm just going to go through about three ways in which our phones are changing us, like and affecting us, and how that, oh man, look how we all stacked up. We have some empty chairs. There should be, um, let's, get some, let's get some people in those empty chairs if we can. Can, if you're, if you, can you all scoot as far that way as you can? If you're saving a seat for somebody, well, they lost it. So, um, yeah. And then we should get, I would hate for someone to stand up this whole time. Besides me, and um, but so uh, yeah, y'all come on, um, uh, so the first way in which our phones are affecting us is that we're and by the way, all this stuff is from books. There's not an original thought here. Okay, I've already told you the books, so don't someone come up to me later and be like, you stole that from so and so. Be like, I told you that I was stealing it. So there you go. Um, but we're addicted to distraction, and our phones enable and encourage that addiction. Right? And we do this in kind of three ways, okay? The first thing that we do is that we check our phones because we want to keep our work away from us. And this is not something that is new to the phone era. This has always been done. It's just the phone makes it easier to do this. And what do I mean that we keep work away? This is what I mean. is that we, whenever we have a big responsibility on our plate, we, that's always when we discover new and cool things. Like... Like the stupid games that people play, like the, like Slither.io and like Flappy Bird and like like you. I tell you when those games get popular. Okay, they get really popular at the end of November, beginning of December, and they get really popular at the end of April and the beginning of May. And why is that? Because that's when exams happen, right? And like you know, you're supposed to be studying for your exams, but like you know. You just need that one more tear on the battle pass, and so you're like, "Okay, one more time." The sweaty beat me, you know. Like, when did Fortnite get popular? By the way, you got. I was on Fortnite. Uh, I I play video games. You should know that. But um, I was on Fortnite. Like the year that it came out, I was in. I played Fortnite in um, September of that year. No one was playing it. Everyone was trash at it. It was the best it's ever been. I was able to win some. Like it's so easy. Like you no know, people could build like one wall. They were like, I'm a ba- I'm a master. Like I'm amazing. And like so, but when did it like blow up with my students? Like right around exam time, I had all these students be like, Kurt, have you heard of this game of Fortnite? And be like, No, I've never heard it. I'll try it for the first time and see what's up. They, uh, just 
wreck their faces. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know how that happens. They, uh, it got really popular during exam time, right? And that's what happens, and why is that? I remember that someone gave me the book The Hobbit in college, like right when I was getting ready to take an exam, and I was like, I was supposed to be studying for something else, but I couldn't put that book down. I wanted to finish it. And then I was like so mad when I finished it. I was like, man, I wish there was more of this. And this guy was like, well, let me tell you. Um, <laughs> so uh, I've got some good news for you. We use, we are used to distracting ourselves from deadlines, from daily tasks, from laundry piles. We we want to, we, everyone wants to procrastinate. It's a self-harm that we, conflict, we, we inflict harm on ourselves by procrastinating. But we do it anyway, all right? Because we would prefer right now to some time in the future. So when life is demanding, we look for something to distract us and anything will do. And guess what is always offering us distraction? This is always there to distract us. Like, <laughs> um, you ever, I don't care if this is recorded, um, you ever go to the bathroom and forget your phone? Like, not for a short stay? Um, like, you'd be like, what do people do? <laughs> I just I guess I got done quickly. And um, like, you ever stand in line and you don't have your phone? And you're just like, what do people do before? We, because we are ready to be distracted at all times. We're ready to be distracted. And the phone is excellent at that. It is great at providing that anything that will keep work away from us. All right? We, in fact, we expect it now, right? We're like, oh, there's no Wi-Fi. You know, like, I'm just going to have to like, sit here and talk to people. Like, instead of, like, we want to be distracted. We want to keep that work away. And that is not a new problem, but it's something that our phones, they, it encourages and enables us to do that. All right, so we're also, not only do we want to keep work away, but we also check our phones to keep people away. All right, and this is a more kind of insidious thing. And look, we'll just start... It's confession time. That's fine. I'll tell you a little bit about this. Look, we have always tried to keep people away from us, or us, and, but the phone just makes it easier. And I'll show you how it makes it easier, okay? Like, I'm walking into somewhere. I'm walking into, like, I'm in a hurry, and I'm walking into Target in Montgomery, right? And, like, um, and I see someone coming out of Target that I know, and I don't really want to have a conversation with them because I'm trying to get out. Of that, like, I'm trying to get in and get out, and I've got something really important to do. And I know that they're made in God's image, and God's put them in my path, but clearly I know the best. So... <laughs> Like, what's an easy thing to do? You just put your phone right here, right? Just say yeah a few times. Like, people have done this, okay? Like, or you just, you know, you, this is, people will, will break through this one, this shield. Like, people will be like, oh, you're texting, it's not important. But you put it up here and you act like you're talking and like, no one will bother you. Or, I see it with my students when things get awkward or when they're forced to interact with someone that they're not used to. They use this as a shield. Like, the second that things are even a tiny bit awkward, just grab that phone really quick and be like, you know, like, I just keep people away. Right? The phone is a constant reminder that something better might come along. And there's nothing that we are more concerned with than not missing out on that better thing that comes along. There's nothing that... I would say the one thing that would define your generation is you guys are always looking for that next best thing. And that's a great thing and a good thing and a tool for you guys to use, but it's also... Every strength is also a weakness. Right? Let me show you how this works. Like, how... Let, let, let me just let me show you how this works. 
boards in my youth groups. I'm going to use her as an example. Let's say, and I actually never did this because we have someone else who does this, but, um, but let's say that I called Borden and I was like, Borden, let's have breakfast at Chappie's, which is a place in Medellin where people get breakfast. And Borden's like, okay, so we have breakfast at Chappie's. Like when I walk in and we sit down and we order our breakfast, I set my phone like this, like right there on the table, like right beside me, all right? And I'm like, Borden, how's it going? And Borden starts to tell me about her life. And she, because I'm such a good minister, she's like divulging all of her like deepest needs and, you know, like to me. And I'm like, you know, like giving the perfect spiritual advice as I always do. And uh, try not to laugh too hard at that. But um, the, uh, like, what, what have I done right there? Okay? Here's what I've done. Is I've said, hey, you're important to me, but, but, I'm kind of an important person. And someone more important to me might come along, and I'm going to need to check that, right? And so I kind of put her in her place immediately, and we do this all the time, right? You ever be talking to someone, and they pick up their phone while you're talking to them? Whoa. Like, like, whoa. That's like, basically, I've just said to you, like, you don't matter, all right? And we do this all the time to keep people away. If we, don't, if we feel like someone's not good enough for us, or this situation is awkward, or we don't want to be in it, or it's a constant reminder that we could be somewhere else. So we use our phones to keep work away, but we also use our phones to keep people away, all right? It's like a tiny little shield that we hold up, and we're like, look at this, I'm important, and you're not. Um, the third thing, we use our phones, we're addicted to distraction, we check our phones to keep eternity away. Now, be clear about what I mean about this, okay? Everyone is going to die, alright? So there's no way to really keep eternity away, but what I mean is thoughts of eternity. And this is something that we've done too in the past, but the phone just makes it easier again. It feeds that addiction or that idol that was already present in our hearts. Um, I was actually saying like, look, everyone's going to die. I don't say this flippantly, um, I counted off in my head in the first hour six families at our church who have buried a teenager. Um, six families. So that's six teenagers. Um, and uh, so eternity's coming for you. I know you think that you're going to live to your 70, but you might not even make it to 39 as far as I've made it. You know what I mean? Like, this is just the truth of the matter. And I'm not saying that lightly. That's not what I'm talking about here. Okay? You should really think about that. And that's what I really want to talk about is those thoughts. Because what we, what we do is we actively avoid solitude and deep thought. All right? I don't like to tell share stories where I do good things because that is a very limited picture of my life. And the real, the real me is not a very nice person and really selfish and self-centered. Um, but I, and I don't... I'll just tell you this. When I was in college, I didn't have... I had a cell phone, but it wasn't... People didn't use it like they use them now, right? Like... I didn't even text. That wasn't even invented yet. Okay? So I was in college and like there would be nights in college. I'd be in my dorm at like Glen Hollow in Starkville, Mississippi, and it'd be like two AM and I just could not sleep. And my roommates were in bed sleeping soundly because they were good people. And I was awake and there was no one to talk to. And I would just think about my life and like think about like what I believe and whether I really believe it. And sometimes, it's not all the time, but a lot of times, um, I would open up my Bible. I remember one night I really couldn't sleep and I read both Corinthians, um, the, both books. And then I picked up this book called Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis that I've been wanting to read. And I started reading it. And I just stayed up all night reading that stuff. And I was just thinking about life. And, and listen, that was an important night for me, by the way. But there were a lot of nights like that. All right? Can I tell you something? Would I have ever done that if I could have just picked this up and been like, 
I'm going to get on my Clash of Clans real quick or my Clash Royale and do some trophies, you know, get some trophies or look at Instagram. I don't know how you guys use Instagram, but I just see every guy in here is like, oh, she's hot, she's hot. You know, every girl is like, she's pretty, I don't like her. Um, they, uh, so, um, like I just said, that's what y'all do. So, um, I don't know. Uh, but... Would I have ever gotten to do any of that? Think about that for a second, guys. Would I have ever gotten to do any of that deep thinking if I'd have been if I'd been your age? I might not have. To be honest, I probably wouldn't have. I would have just picked up my phone and checked the scores of the game, or like read Twitter, or you know, like looked at memes, or like do whatever. Like I would have just I would I would have used my phone to keep the thoughts of heaven away from me. And that is a scary thing. Okay. I don't know if I told y'all this story in the first hour, but I told story. I mean, yesterday I told. I know I told the first hour of the story about my friend who was um, in college, and he uh, he had this guy that, that joined up with their group, and he didn't really like him. And the guy was just joining up with their group because um, he liked this this new guy liked this girl in their group, and they weren't sure about him or whatever. But they didn't have like group text or whatever. When they said they were going to do something, everyone just got together and said, "This guy just kind of tagged along." And he said, Kurt, if we'd have had group text, I would have never met this guy. Like, because we would have just isolated. We wouldn't have let him into our group. I right? would have closed it off. And um, he said, Kurt, that guy was in my wedding. I didn't like him, right? I didn't like him when I met him. Actually, every groomsman in my wedding stood up and said, the first time I met Kurt, I didn't like him. Everyone, I, I had ten groomsmen too. So, like, to hear it ten times, I was like, do you work on my first impression? So, uh, mental note, but after, I, after the honeymoon, first impressions, so that's on the list. So, but he said, I would have never met this guy. He was in my wedding. He was one, he's one of my best friends. I could have just cut him off. I just want you to think about what you might be losing because you're addicted to distraction. You're losing that solitude. Right? That time. And here, even more than that, if that doesn't convince you, how about this? Who is known for constantly going off by himself to be with God? Jesus Christ. It says over and over again, he says, he went away from the disciples to be alone with God. If Jesus needs to do that, if Jesus needs to be alone with God, then surely we need to, right? We're not better than him. You get some real trouble around here saying you're better than Jesus. Like, don't do that. But we need to be alone. We need to be alone. And here's the paradox that we're in. Is that what this does for us is it means that... Oh, hold on. I don't want to read that yet. Go back. Right now. Um, this does not have voice commands. I don't know why I did that. Um, <laughs> what this means for us is there's this paradox, right? Is that when we're in groups, this allows us to be alone in public. And when we're alone, it allows us to never really be alone. Right? So we're never really with people because we've always got this in front of us when we're with them. And we're never really alone by ourselves because when we're alone, we've got this in front of us. So it creates this weird dynamic. That, and I, I honestly, I'm, just, I'm not like bashing y'all's generation. I don't know how you guys are going to handle it. I would not have handled it well. Okay? I'm just telling you right now. I would not. There's a million things that you guys face that I would not have handled well. Alright? I don't think I could even be in the ministry if I had social media when I was in high school. You know some of the things that I said? Like, I. It's, it'd be over for me. Um, just on what I said, let alone like what I saw or thought or did. Um, so, this is a real problem for us. Okay? It's something that has to think, you know, it's something we have to think about that we're addicted to distraction, that we can't stand to be alone, and then when we're with people, we're never really with them. And it's a problem that we like to have. Okay? It's a problem that we like to have. This is a quote from a guy named Peter Kreeft, and he's kind of riffing on a guy named Pascal who lived a long time ago. But I just want to read this to you because 
this really highlights like our mentality. It's that we're not sad about these distractions. We want them. We desperately want them. It says we run away like conscientious little bugs and scared rabbits, dancing attendants to our liking, sharing, anything. We think we want peace and silence and freedom and leisure. But deep down we know that this would be unendurable to us. We want to complexify our lives. We don't have to. We want to. We want to be harried and hassled and busy. And unconsciously we want the very thing we complain about. For if we had leisure, we would look at ourselves and listen to our hearts and see the great gaping hole in our hearts and be terrified. Because that hole is so big that nothing but God can fill it. And that is some straight wisdom right there. Okay, um, We want to be distracted. Because we can't stand to be by ourselves. Because when we're by ourselves, we're confronted with who we really are. We don't get to be the avatar that we create. We're going to talk about that in just a second. We have to be real with us. It's terrifying. So we're addicted to distraction. We check our phones to keep work away, to keep people away, and to keep eternity away. What does Jesus have to say about this? Someone asked Jesus what the greatest commandment was, and he gave him he gave you he gave his top two. He said, so we should probably know this, right? This is you know rudimentary level Christianity. We might ought to know what Jesus said were the two most important commandments in the whole Old Testament, the whole law. All right, he said one of them is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Right. And the second one is likened to it, to love your neighbor as yourself. And that's this is from Mark 12. It's in several of the Gospels. But um, this is from Mark 12, that version of that. I just want you to know something about that first commandment. Okay? About that first commandment. About loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Notice the word that keeps coming up over and over again. Okay? The word that keeps coming up over and over again is all. All, all, all. And this is a problem for us. Because how can we ever give all of our heart or all of our soul or all of our mind or all of our strength to something if our heart and soul and mind strength are constantly divided and distracted? How can we do that? Right? We literally can't. In other words, th- like these, these devices are actively encouraging us to not do this. They're actively encouraging and enabling us to never give our whole... We're never really present somewhere. Like, do you realize that you go places and you think that you're there and you're never and you're not really there? Like, you're just there for the picture or for the video, and then look. We're I need to I've gotten ahead of myself. We're gonna come back to that. All I'm trying to say is we're addicted to distraction. Let's move on. The second thing is, is that we ignore our flesh and blood. The phones, the phones enable us to ignore those around us for those who are nowhere near us. And the obvious example of this is texting and driving. I want you to think about driving for a second. All right, you're in your 1,500 to 2,500 pound bullet. Okay, your bullet, and um, it's a comfy bullet, or maybe it's you know hand-me-down bullet, whatever. It's your bullet, though. Take care of it. And um, and you're driving at 60 miles an hour, and they're like someone else is coming along in their bullet at like 60 miles an hour. And what is keeping y'all safe? Nothing. Uh, a mere idea, a principle, some paint on, on the ground. Some paint is keeping you safe. And look, you have to accept that to be able to drive. You have to assume. It's an assumption that you have to do to, or you'd never be able to get behind the wheel. Is that, look, people are going to follow the rules, right? And the scary part is when people don't. But like, you're... Like, when your car is going 60 and this other car is going 60, and the only thing dividing you guys is, like, two lines of yellow paint, which is just, like, and you're, like, you're both driving your bullets, like, right past, right when you guys pass each other, all right? Like, right as you guys pass each other, that's the person that's the closest to you in the world, all right? 
You hold their life in your hands and, you, and they hold your life in your hands. Wait. <laughs> People are holding things in hands and it's not their own lives. There you go. Uh-huh. Also, they're the closest person in proximity to you in the world, too. They're really close to you, like physically, right? They're like super close. Some of you are like, well, what if I had someone in the passenger seat? And you're like, shut up. It's a smile illustration and I'll determine the rules. Um, and just think about what it takes for you to ignore that person who is holding your life in their hands to, to look at your phone, to text someone, you know, order me nachos. Like, it, it's almost funny if it wasn't so freaking sad. Like, what are you doing? There's someone right in front of you and you're like, these other people are more important. This other thing is more important. And we do this all the time. Okay? All the time. We do it all the time. We use this as a shield. We ignore the people who are right in front of us. And sometimes we actively want to do that. We're like, I don't like this person and I want to ignore him and I'm going to get on my phone and ignore him. But like, we, we do this all the time. We ignore our flesh and blood. We ignore our flesh and blood. The people who are right there in front of us. The people who God has put in our path. So that we can be somewhere else. The other thing is that we... Look, they've done studies like Facebook posts and Twitter posts and things like that. And like, they'll do studies where someone will post like only like hashtag blessed situations. Like only good posts. Like so happy that someone did this or that. And that gets so many retweets and so many shares and so many likes, etc. And then they'll have that person just do like one like angry thing. Be like, I hate it when people back into parking spots. Like, you know, like... What kind of redneck backs into a parking spot? The, uh, like, or something like that. I don't know. That doesn't bother me at all. But some people, people, bother, you know, people are bothered by lots of things. And, um, and those posts, those angry posts, they get way more retweets and way more shares and way more likes. Because on our phones, when we're doing mediated communication, the emotion that we are most tapped into is anger. That's why so many people are angry online. There's so many people mad online. People are mad online about everything. Like, that's a meme. You're mad online. Like, you're, like, people are mad about everything because the most viral emotion is anger. We take, we do vicarious anger where we're like, someone posts something on some social media and it's like, I hate it when people, you know, text and drive. Let's just use that as an example. And like, we're looking at that and liking it and retweeting it while we're driving. Alright? Like, that's, a, like, we're just, we're not really angry about it. We're just like tapping into something. Because we love mediated communication, right? We love mediated communication. We have, we start to like mediated communication more than unmediated communication. I think I have a picture of someone texting and driving here, and I don't know why I have it. But, oh, one thing I love about this, well, let's go back for a second and make fun of this, but um, this is one of those Getty images where you image search for like texting and driving, and it's like the first one that you get. And this is so clearly a Photoshop, by the way. This is clearly Photoshopped on here. We, like He just held up like a blank phone with a green thing on it. And like he's clearly still, I don't know if he's even touching the wheel, and then they Photoshop to make it look like it's blurred or whatever. Anyway, um, but... The point is this, okay? Is that we begin to prepare, we, we are training ourselves to like mediated communication more than unmediated communication. We've trained ourselves to prefer to have something in between the people we communicate with and us instead of being with them immediately. Alright, and let, let me give you an example of how I can prove this to you. Who in here likes to leave voicemails? 
Who in here even leaves voicemails? Like, there's four people in here. People hate voicemails, right? People hate listening to them and people hate leaving them. Like, I hate leaving voicemails. I always, look, look, I can't believe I do this in the recorded session. But one time I worked at the seminary where I was going to school as an admissions counselor and I would call guys or girls who were interested in seminary for whatever reason and I would like talk to them about the admissions process and I had to leave a lot of messages on the phone. Like leave a lot of, and I hate leaving voicemails. And one time I was in a real hurry to get off the phone with this person because there was someone coming up to my desk that I needed to talk to. And so I was like, hey, I'd love to talk to you more about blah, blah, blah. You know, like you can call me. And then like right at the end of the conversation, right before I hung up the phone, I go, in your name I pray amen. And, like, <laughs> and I was like, the guy was walking up and was like, did you say your name? I pray amen. And I was like, did I just say your name? I pray amen. Like, I hate voicemails. Like, I love, I love text. Nah, because I just keep you at bay. I'll check the text when I want. Like, you think my red receipts are on? Uh, no, no. Uh-uh. Like, I'll let you know when I got it. I was out of coverage. It just happened. You know, like, uh, you know. Why? Because we prefer to keep people at arm's length. We like these Phones are training us to like mediated communication. And what is the problem for Christians is that well, who is our one and true and only mediator is Jesus Christ. And what does it say? What does He provide for us? That we we will see face to face in heaven. Like, can I just say something to you? There are people all around you right now. And they would love for you to talk to them. Um, they would love for you to talk to them. Just ask them a question. It's not hard. My job is the easiest job in the world. I literally have the easiest job in the world. Like, all I do is I talk to high school boys and I'm like, hey, tell me about you. And you know what people do? High school boys turns out that they kind of like to talk about themselves or about the stuff that they like at least. And that's all I have to do. You know what? People love that, okay? They love it. They like for someone to say, hey, you matter to me. All right? And when you do it face to face, it's real communication. I can text any one of you, but when I look you in the eye, it matters when you remember it. And that's true for me, it's true for you, it's true for everybody. We cannot sacrifice mediated communication for unmediated, unmediated communication. I mean, sorry, the other way around. It doesn't matter. Let's move on. The Bible is clear about this. L- listen to this, okay? Just in the context of what we're talking about, how powerful is this verse? If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has, not see- who he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. Think about that for a second, what he's saying. God is saying, there's no way that you could possibly love me. You've never seen me if you don't love the people who you've actually seen who are in front of your face. Think about that in our context. That is like... Anyway. (laughs) 2 John. This is John writing. Though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink. That's like first century texting. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete. I want you to remember that verse. Look at this. This is Paul in Romans. So that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your coming. Paul again in 2 Timothy. As I remembered your tears, I long to see you that, my, that I may be filled with joy. What does Scripture say is the emotion that is connected most with face-to-face communication? Joy. And what is the, and what is the emotion that is connected most with online communication? Anger. Think about that for a second, guys. This is having an effect on us. One last thing before we move on. And that's like just a, a picture that illustrates what I'm talking about. And I, I love this picture for a lot of reasons. Everyone, this is at a Pirates of the Caribbean, Caribbean, one of the one of those movies. It was one of the premieres. And all these pictures, I think Johnny Depp or Orlando Bloom or someone is walking through here Knightley. And they're they're walking through. And I love this picture. Like everyone's trying to get video of him or whatever. And, and this guy, he's got his he, he was trying to take a photo or video and he's like got it set to like slow-mo or something. He's trying to get it. He's so mad. Or at least just look at it. He's like, oh, this thing never works. But I, I just want you to look at that picture. I want you to look like 
these people are coming as close as they possibly can to seeing like these celebrities, these you know, and they're celebrities, whatever. But like, pretty exciting to meet someone that you've seen on the television screen. Now, watch closely, okay? Do you see her? This person is really seeing what's happening. She is present. I know she's old. I got that. She's present. Everyone else here is looking at this through a mediated lens. And this person right here is really seeing and experiencing what's happening. Here's my question to you, okay? Are you really seeing and experiencing your life? Or are you watching everything through the screen of your phone? The Bible says that we have joy when we meet face to face. Let's move on. Third thing, the phones. We have always craved immediate approval. This is not a new problem, but the phones, again, encourage and enable us to do this to a greater degree. The phone, we make avatars. Has anyone seen the movie Avatar? Someone saw it. It's like one of the highest grossing movies ever. I thought it was garbage, by the way. I didn't think it was very good. I was just not into it at all. So, you know, but it's, you know, I'm not into a lot of movies, so whatever. Like, I'm sure we could really disagree about some things if you want to disagree later. But, uh, Jake, slowly. Um, the, uh, just, I went into it. So, uh, but it took a lot of hard work to make it, so congratulations to those guys who worked hard. Um, we make avatars. We make this. We make a fake persona that we think is really us. We think that like that's us. Like if I follow you, like that. Oh, I'm following the real you, but we're not. We make this avatar. I want to tell you about this girl. Her name is Asina O'Neill. Okay, and she's from Australia. And when I was reading about her, she was 19. I don't know how old she is now. It's been several years ago, so I'm going to assume she's in her early 20s. Um, by the power of math. And uh, she is paid to Instagram. She, she is literally paid to Instagram. Okay? Uh, that was her job. She's 19 years old. She was making millions of dollars. She was getting all kinds of free stuff. Like, she was, people were sending her swimsuits, dresses, makeup products, like health products for free. Uh, she had over a million followers on Instagram, over a million followers on her Twitter, and she had a YouTube channel. And she had over a million subscribers on her YouTube channel. So she's killing it at 19. What are you doing? No, I'm just kidding. That's not what I'm um, You're going to see. We're going to take a very sharp turn from that. But um, this, this is her. This is a picture that I got um, from what used to be on her Instagram. Okay? And I want to show you what she really looks like. Okay? Um, the, uh, I want to show you what she actually looks like. And look. Um, so this is what she really looks like. This is the same person, okay? Same person. Now look, the girls in here are like, uh, yeah, you don't know how makeup works? Like, I'm married to one of you, and I know exactly how makeup works. <laughs> look, this is a pretty 19-year-old girl, okay? Look, she's not really trying, like, right now. She's just kind of like, ah, natural, that's fine. Like, go for it. Like, that's great, right? But this is her, like, really going for it, really trying, okay? Now, Asino O'Neill deleted all of her social media. And she said that it was all fake and she was so tired of it. Alright? This is what she had to say about it, okay? I just want to look at this 19... This girl could have been in my youth group, okay? I want you to hear what she has to say. She said, Being born into this screen-dominated age, we were taught to mold ourselves in order to gain the most social validation, likes, views, and followers. I was a living paradox of conditional self-love and constant self-hate. Basically, my self-worth relied on social approvals. Um... She, uh, she reposted some pictures from her Instagram, but she put new captions on them. This is one of the captions from one when she was in a bathing suit. It says this, This is not real life. 
It took over a hundred, I took over a hundred in similar poses, trying to make my stomach look flat. I would have hardly eaten that day. I would have yelled at my little sister to keep taking them until I was somewhat proud of this. Alright, this person was killing it. Okay? Kill I don't care how good your social media is, she was killing it. Okay? And what does she say about it? She gave it all she is awake now, okay? This girl woke up. She woke up. A lot of us are asleep and we think, man, it would be, I bet a lot of people in here would be like, it would be awesome to be paid to be on Instagram. Like, that seems like an easy job. Turns out, not quite easy on the soul. Turns out that to constantly be having to get people to like you and approve you and say that you're pretty or whatever, like, that it actually, like, breaks down all of your relationships. Turns out, it's not really worth it. What Asino O'Neill did is she just destroyed her avatar and now she's free to live a real life. And I want to tell you something. That's what Jesus Christ wants you to do too. Jesus Christ is not at all interested in your avatar. Your avatar is a joke to Him and honestly it's a joke to everyone else too. Like, and just, look, don't let me make, me, don't let me make you think that I don't do this too. Right? Okay? I used to have an Instagram. Right? Um... I've got, I put nothing but pictures of my kids on there, right? You don't want to see pictures of me. Like, um, <laughs> even at my most attractive, I was like a solid like 4 out of 10. All right? so, um, like, there was, I was never even on the top half of that scale at any moment in my life. So, uh, but I put pictures of my kids. Do you think that's a real picture of my life with my kids? I've never once Instagrammed me sighing disappointedly at my kids. Or yelling at them over something that actually kind of minor. Or I didn't put any of the timeouts or spankings or toilet training or dirty diapers or fits thrown or food not eaten or whatever. I didn't put any of that on Instagram. If you were to look at my Instagram, you'd think that I have two cute... Actually, I quit Instagram before Grayson got here, but you would think I had one super cute, super photogenic, always obedient child who just was like so precocious and funny. And that is not at all what my parenting is like, okay? I'm serious when I say this, and I will say it on the recording. Kids drive you crazy, all right? They really do. They drive you crazy. And sometimes you look at them and you're like, I know I have to love you right now, but I'm not sure where I'll find the strength. Lord help me, please. Like, um, and, uh, and look, here's the deal, okay? And I love my two boys, all right? I love them. But that is a fake me and a fake them that I put on there. It wasn't real. And we're all doing it. And Jesus is not interested in that at all. He's interested in the real you. And we're doing everything we can to get, to get away from the real us because the real us is terrifying and gross and sad and messed up. But guess what? That's, a, that's the you that Jesus wants to meet. Right? Asina O'Neill threw away that she woke up. Like what happens with her life from here on? I don't know. But I tell you this. Like she had everything that you could want. And she said, it's not, really what I, it's not really what you want. And you know what? If we'd have looked in the Bible, we'd known that was true. In Proverbs, the fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts the Lord is safe. If, if someone's approval, someone's approval is a trap for you. If you walk into it, you're going to get snagged. Put not your trust in princes, in a son of man in whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day, his plans perish. This is from Jesus. This is one of my all-time favorite Jesus quotes. Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. Wow. That is Jesus' slapping. You think you want everyone to like you? Jesus says that's the worst position you could possibly be in. Like, woe to you. So let so 
We crave immediate approval. And we've always craved it. Who doesn't? You, you're made... Look, don't, don't mishear me here, okay? You are made to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. It's the one thing that you're created to hear, okay? So it's not wrong to want it, alright? It's the avenue through which we pursue it that's the problem. And when we pursue it through this, it breaks us. It breaks us. It's like putting Red Bull in my gasoline tank. It just doesn't work. Okay? And the second thing I want to say before we close is that in our pursuit of immediate approval, what we do is we surround ourselves with those who are just like us. We create echo chambers. So social media, I want you to think about this for a second, okay? If I were to go through your Snapchat and just like look at the profile pic of everybody in your Snapchat, okay? How many of those people are going to look really close to the way that you look? And look, when we like shaved all our heads, like we would all look really similar. Like, you know what I mean? Like, how many people are going to look really close to the way you look? How many of them, what percentage of them are going to be from really close to where you live? All right? Um, and be from the same culture. I want to say that it's upwards of 95% for most people. And it might even be higher than that, right? Because what we do is that in social media, we close circles. Like, in, with our phones, this allows us to close circles. Uh, there's a great quote here by Alistair Roberts. He's talking about social media. He says that elderly, the impoverished, the cognitively disabled, like special needs people, the young children, the less educated, the less literate, the less cosmo- cosmopolitan, the, le- the non-Westerner. In effect, online communities render invisible the majority of the human race. Now that is a real problem for us. Because the very last thing that Jesus told us before He went up into heaven He said, I'm going to come back. When I come back, until I come back, this is what I want you to do. Because I want you to go and I want you, therefore, to make disciples of all the people just like us. Whoops, that's not what it says. Instead, it says all nations. That that what this encourages us to do is to live in an echo chamber where everyone thinks like us and acts acts like us and looks like us. And Jesus did not want the disciples to do that. That's why... I believe, and many theologians believe, that God allowed the temple to be destroyed in AD 70 so that all the Jewish Christians couldn't hang out at the temple anymore. They had to go out and get the job done. Right? Like, because He doesn't want us living in an echo chamber, right? Where everyone thinks nasty. He wants us to interact. He wants us to go out. We don't want to be inward facing, we want to be outward facing. Okay. Um, I think that's going to be it for today. I just want you guys to hear. Uh, tomorrow we're going to talk about a couple more problems that we have, and then we're going to talk about how to fix how to fix those problems or what we can do. Some steps, some drastic and some not so drastic steps. Um, I'm going to get uh, Jason. Will you pray for us? Yep. Thank you. God, we thank you for your wisdom. Um, we thank you for your word, and that you show us who you are, uh, but you also show us who we are. Uh, as we consider uh, the story that you have laid out before us, Lord, we, Lord, open our ears, open our eyes, help us to hear and see the gospel, because it is truly the one thing that will change our lives in a way that will bring us peace, that will bring us the shalom that we all desire. God, grant wisdom 
to these young men and women. Lord, pour your grace out on them as they consider these things. Give them the desire and the ability and the, uh, and the time to slow down and to consider who they are in your kingdom. Lord, help us all to love one another better. Help us to love our neighbors better. But most of all, Lord, help us to be right with you. And we pray these things for your glory and for our benefit in the name of Christ. Amen. Amen.